0: Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis.
2: This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. Five o'clock, the number one show in, in the New York, uh, well, the whole East Coast just about. But uh, If it's dark, it's in 36 states, but it's not dark yet. Uh, what about this, other
3: countries? Other countries?
2: Well, they're listening in. mm mm-hmm. uh, You know, we the... Number one show they actually the KGB listens in on mm-hmm. and uh, etc. Chinese et intelligence because every time we say something they print it in the Russian newspapers, and we have uh, Judge uh, uh, Richard Weinberg? Richard Weinberg, of course, a uh, common sense Democrat and a common sense Republican. Uh, uh, Peter king, Congressman Peter King, Kings Highway and
3: uh, <laughs> Kings thank County. Thank for being here and
2: Lydia Serrano <laughs> and uh, and uh, we have a great show for you this Monday and uh, you had a busy weekend. Well, I had uh, dinner with, uh, uh, with um, President Trump on Saturday night with my daughter, mm-hmm. and uh, today I had lunch with Kissinger. Oh, just Trump Kissinger. Uh, he's only 99 years old <laughs> plus, and he's got 100% of his mind. And uh, all day yesterday, me and Congressman King and, and uh, Rudy Giuliani Rudy down and, there, he, yeah. and George Pataki, Pataki, we all did 9-11 stuff. I started at 5 o'clock
3: in the morning. I don't know how, where you get all that energy well, from. Let's go to Bill O'Reilly
2: because he's waiting on the line, and we and Lydia. Rule number one: you never keep Bill O'Reilly
3: waiting. He's a patient man. He's an no, awesome. no, he's don't not. Keep him <laughs> no, waiting. He's all right. I was going to talk about his books and everything. I think we already know. Talk about how killing great the he is. killers. <laughs> he knows already. Everybody already knows how great he is. How many books sold so far? Well, he yeah,
4: have 19 million in print, and that doesn't count. Killing the Legends to be out two weeks from tomorrow. So wow! I'm looking forward to that launch. And uh, we have excerpts on com about Elvis and John Lennon and Muhammad Ali. Uh, b- uh,
2: Bill, Bill, uh, we got a bad line. We're going to call you back in 10 seconds.
4: Okay.
1: Sorry about uh, that. No, okay.
2: it's not your fault. Yeah. Uh, but so uh, it was – let me tell you something. I got home uh, uh, Saturday night like about midnight from Bedminster. Uh, and then I had to be up at 4 in the morning – to go down and work with the uh, tunnels to tower. Uh, I got to t- uh, five thirty in the morning uh, down to the World Trade Center, and uh, it was uh, w- ceremonies to honor, uh, you know, our lost uh, souls all day long. Mm-hmm. And Governor Pataki had uh, uh, a, a special ceremony four o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. And uh, and how was Trump? Trump, uh he. Uh, asked a lot of questions we we sat there and he asked a ton of questions and well we'll talk about what bill o'reilly we Mm gets back on
3: well i think that's what makes somebody a good leader when they surround themselves with intelligent people and they ask them for advice or they ask them questions because depends where
5: they listen lydia
3: that is true. That is true. Whereas I feel like President Biden has surrounded himself with idiots and Lightweight. morons Lightweight. and Lightweight. sycophants. And, and so he thinks
5: he's... And ideologues, Yeah. So
6: you were about all the events yesterday on 9-11. And uh, it was very, very moving around right. zero. Uh, we'll go back later. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We'll go back to that later. And uh, Bill O'Reilly, uh, tell us uh, what's on your mind today. I mean, things are, you know, as the world turns.
4: Yeah, I know. It's... Um... know, 9-11 is an event that uh, defined New York City for courage. I mean, you really want to just strip it down. Um, It showed the courage that um, New Yorkers had in many, many different ways, and we've all been over that in the last 20 years, um, because everybody understood that when you're attacked like that and people want to take your life away, which they did, and uh, Lydia was kind enough to mention uh, Killing the Killers, that's what that's all about. That's ongoing. And um, New Yorkers realized very quickly and viscerally that they had to help. They couldn't be a problem. So where did we go wrong in keeping that philosophy intact? That's my question today. So you have a situation where you have literally thousands of people getting hurt by criminals in New York City. Where is the outrage and the demand by the citizenry? Stop this.
2: Well, I think we have to put our foot down, uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly, and it's September, September, September and October. We have to yell and scream and make sure everybody. They got a vote. Everybody has to vote. That's it. But, John, why should you
4: have to do that? Why should you have to yell and scream and put feet down?
2: Because we only got 17% of people voting in the last election, I think. It was something like that. That was a primary. You're right.
4: What's the matter with them? That's right. Well, Well, I'm going to give you a
2: strange number. I was on the phone with John McLaughlin. Uh, on, uh, on, um. He's a pollster, he you know. Well, John McLaughlin is one smart guy and he represents a lot of people. He was and, my pollster and, for 28 years. And yeah. he was on. And there's three, in 2020, there's 330 million Americans. 75 million are under the age of 18. So this takes take 75 million off of, of 330 million. You have 265 million. And 160 million people voted, 75 million for Trump, 85 million for Biden. That's 160 million out of, a, out of 260 human souls, Knowledge. not registered, human souls over the age of 18. Mm. And that's 67%. And I said to John McLaughlin, how is that possible? 67% of the national vote went, uh, voted.
4: Well, I wrote a column today, um, and it's on BillOReilly.com, that basically says I expect a a low turnout in the midterms in November because, unfortunately, the wave is against civic involvement. Mm
6: -hmm. It's
4: into, well, where's mine? What's good for me? I want to play on my machine all day. I want to get my device, and I want to go here, there, and everywhere. But I don't really want to take the time to – improve the situation of my city or my town or my state or my country. that's movement, you know, watch the football and whatever it may be, but you know, don't put yourself out to improve the country. And Bill, often that's those people like. yell
6: the loudest when things go bad.
4: But he, but but Congressman, how bad do they have to get? No, they because still yell. They do
6: yell about it but they don't a... vote. They just sit home and say, yeah, it doesn't matter. Which annoys the hell out of me. Yeah,
4: but how do we get
6: 67% to vote in
2: 2020? I, I don't understand that number.
4: Listen, it's so insane. Here's how insane it is. So Adams and Hochul and the Democratic establishment in this state want congestion pricing, right? So that's going to, you know how badly that's going to hurt working people in New York?
2: That's going to kill Manhattan
4: and it's going to kill the. the, I mean, the unintended consequences, but just one thing, this is vivid for everybody listening right now. There's a lot of people in the city that work night shifts and and shifts that begin at four in the afternoon or whatever. They're going to have to depend on the subway. Mm -hmm. Who wants to ride the subway at midnight? At three in the morning, yeah. Who? Well,
2: I, I just want to say something. Uh, Richard Weinberg, Judge Weinberg, today, the real estate board of New York, they well, wanted well, yeah, congestion I, pricing. Well, well, who paid them off with what? All right. Mm. I, That's a good question.
5: I was on a call with the Broadway Association, Bill, where I'm on the board, and the real estate board of New York, as well as the Durst organization, are supporting this ridiculous proposition of, maybe of they're, congestion. They're maybe getting
2: maybe somebody paid them off they can build a
5: 220-floor two hundred and twenty floor, floor building. And Bill O'Reilly, well, I wonder...
4: Why are they supporting it, Judge? What, what's I, your rationale?
5: They think it's good because it's good, for the, it's good for the environment and it's good for congestion. It's too much congestion. What they're not taking into consideration is it's not good for the environment because you can have the whole... Uh, Bronx Expressway, Cross Expressway, that's going to be jammed up and you have all that pollution in that area. And by the way, the wind will drift over to Manhattan. It'll be bad for business. It'll destroy the economy. It'll destroy the real estate here in town. It's just a bad idea. But what idea. are these
2: guys, the real estate industry is voting for it? How are they going to fill their buildings? I don't, I, I mean, John, this is John, just John, a crap. My,
5: my eyes bleed, my head exploded. It makes no sense to me at all. Bill's absolutely right. Congestion pricing is a very bad idea, and yet it has the force of the Democratic Party behind and it. Joe Ethier is going to be on later on, who was in charge of
2: economic development for, uh, for Freddie Farrar, Borough president, in, in the 19... Uh, in the Bronx, In right. the 80s, and 90s. Yeah, it's a very bad All idea. Right, well, one, one
4: more question, subject. Though, is, My yes. question is, when you study history, and I'm a historian, obviously you guys know that, I write about history, there comes a point in every nation where the people have to make a decision. What kind of country and society do we want to have? Are we willing to raise our right hands up in the air and allow a guy like Adolf Hitler to take over? Are we willing to basically allow Mao Zedong to slaughter millions of people in some kind of insane quest to impose communism where nobody has any freedom or any hope of upward mobility. In those two countries, Germany and China, the people said, yes, we are willing to be Nazis or communists. We are going to allow it to happen. And I'm sadly seeing that in New York. So we are going to accept unacceptable levels of The New York Times is going to accept it.
5: Unbelievable. It is. Bill, let me ask you this question. Did you see that the Vice President of the United States, Ms. Harris, said that the border is secure? How do we accept? My
4: story on common sense tonight, Judge, you're an oracle. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm leading with tonight. Common sense at 9 o'clock tonight,
2: 9 to 10 on wabcradio.com, 770 on your dial. And make sure you program your iPhone so you can get it worldwide at at
4: 77 WABC. Yeah, well. The thing about Harris and Biden is they know they can say anything. So Harris looks at Chuck Todd. You all know Chuck Todd, the guy uh, on Meet the Press.
3: Yeah, what happened to him?
4: And remember, Tim Russert, who was a good friend of mine, was, you know, when he died, they gave it to Todd. So Kamala Harris looks at Todd and says the border is secure. Well, everybody knows that's a lie. There isn't one Border Patrol agent, Brownsville to San Diego, who would tell you the border is secure. Yet the vice president is saying on NBC News the border is secure. What do you think that Todd said? What, what he do said? you think he said? Nothing. Nothing. That is crazy. So I, and,
2: and, and listen, i, I got to give you one more statistic before I ask you the last question. Fifty million people died in Vietnam. No, fifty. Fifty thousand people died in Vietnam. Fifty thousand in Korea. Seven thousand in Afghanistan. That's hundred and seven thousand. In the last twelve months, a hundred and forty thousand people died from fentanyl from the Mexican border. Tell Lack to stick it in the Homeland Security and the Vice President's hair for 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 good measure.
4: Last question. Yet, yes. Go ahead. Yet, in in November. It will be a close race in the Senate. I don't think in the House. I think Republicans will do very well in the House. But there are millions of Americans, John, who simply don't care. And that is what's Crenzy. shocking me.
2: My last question. You ready for this one? It looks I like hope, the hope. Democratic Party is going to screw. Am I allowed to say the word, yes. yes. word screw?
5: Yes. It's going to screw
2: Because... They're not going to give him everything they promised him because in reconciliation, it's going to well, bog out. Oh, and, John. And, 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 and uh, Manchin's popularity is down to less than 20% in Virginia.
4: West Virginia. West Virginia. Manchin should change parties. And he can do it tomorrow. You can change your party. The Democrats hate him. And they're going to try to destroy him. Why do you want to stay in that? Yeah, West Virginia is not. They're gonna not try to destroy him because
2: they 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 took him up the roller coaster and took him straight down because they don't trust him.
3: Wait, are you trying to say that politicians lied?
5: He got snookered. So change parties. He should. See, Bill's mean, right that he should change yeah, parties. Manchin, as soon as he gets screwed on Manchin. this on this bill, he should change parties the next day.
4: Absolutely. I mean, Manchin's the the only. Out and cinema in Arizona are the only ones who have any fiscal restraint at all. The but rest fa- Billy failed miserably when he had his
6: tranche, dollars, when he gave in.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah, you're right.
4: Well, but, some deal was made, Congressman. You know You know how the back. Yeah, yeah,
6: was, was made, but he didn't live. You know, they didn't live up to it. They show he yeah, see, only- have Seventy Democrats. No, they yeah.
4: took him,
2: Congressman. They <laughs> took him up the roller coaster, yeah. make him, made him feel like a a zillionaire.
5: And then they took him down the roller coaster and destroyed him. Well, I blame us. him
6: for that. If He was dopey enough to believe them.
5: He was dopey enough to 70, believe them. Seventy Democrats in the House say they're going to oppose the permitting deal they had. So how does Pelosi extricate him? She can't. So he's going to be absolutely, totally screwed on that. So what does he do? Bill, I've, I've been saying it all day. He should change his party and switch the control of the Senate to the Republicans. Bill O'Reilly, I'm going to be listening in at 9 o'clock tonight to find out what the heck
2: you're going to say because there's a lot of things happening. Thank you so much.
4: All right. Always fun, guys. Thanks for having me in.
2: Thank you. Let's take a hard break, and we're going to come back. We're going to come back with Ambassador Bolton. What the heck is going on in Ukraine? What's going on in the world?
3: And uh, stay tuned.
0: It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
3: Welcome back to the John Matidi's Cats at Night show. We were talking about domestic issues, issues right here at home in New York, and now we're going to go across the world. Ambassador John Bolton, He was. he's also the author of The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir. He served as the president's national security advisor as well as the ambassador to the United Nations. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Ambassador Bolton.
1: Glad to be with you.
2: Uh, Ambassador, what the heck is going on in Ukraine? I, I happen to have lunch today with uh, uh, Henry Kissinger. I mean, one interesting guy, ninety nine years old, and his mind is one hundred percent, and he says we should not let we should not let Russia get away with aggression and then negotiate with them that uh, right now they're out of weapons and uh, they're buying weapons from Iran, they're buying weapons from North Korea. Uh, what say you?
1: Well, I'm glad, uh, number one, that uh, Henry Kissinger uh, is is still functioning uh, at 100 percent at 99 years old. And good, good for you for having lunch with him. And I'm also glad that he said we should not uh, allow Russia to get away with this unprovoked aggression. He was quoted, uh, I think, back at the Davos Forum shortly after the invasion in February, uh, and the quotation may have been wrong, but it it implied kind of giving up something to to the Russians. And and uh, well, I, that's I what J- James that. Savridi
2: said too. And today uh, at lunch today he says no way we should not reward fantastic. them for their aggression.
1: That's that's fantastic. I'm very I'm very glad to hear that. And he's right. Th- this is just when you think the Russian military can't perform any worse, they surprise you and perform worse. I mean, great credit to. Ukraine here, I'm sure we were responsible for part of it with intelligence and other assistance. But, but great credit to the Ukrainians. They pulled off a huge disinformation operation by talking about a southern invasion for weeks, maybe months, and they attacked in the north. Uh, I think this is real trouble for the Russians. Uh, there's no chance now, I think, that they can ask for a ceasefire while they're retreating. That That would be a signal of weakness on their part. Uh, that I don't think they can afford, and I think for the first time in this war, this defeat is significant enough that it will have political effects inside. Putin is endangered, but but he's in more trouble now than he's been uh, since the invasion, and I think we need to think about how to take advantage of that.
6: John, this is Pete King. Let me again commend you for always taking this hard line toward Russia and against all aggression. Uh, the only danger not danger the question I have right now is if you, if you were in the position to make decisions if Putin is in trouble or if the Russia is in trouble, what is the danger of Putin lashing out and using some sort of nuclear weapons
1: well you know i I think that's uh pete that's a, that's a key question because uh th- this is this is the uh, the one thing that Putin has that that uh, would really change i think political opinion in in the west and Uh, I've been asked before, do you think Putin will use nuclear weapons? And I've always said no, except in the circumstance where Russian troops were fleeing back to the Russian border, where there was some chance that Ukraine had been so successful, they might be about to cross the Russian border. Now, where we are now after this Ukrainian success in the north is not that point, but it's a lot closer to it than we've been before. And the potential risk of the use of a nuclear weapon is not so much to change the battlefield but to strengthen Putin's position at home because his weakness, I think, leaves him vulnerable and it would take some kind of dramatic step uh, to avoid. Now, we're closer to that, and I think it calls for a little prudence on the part of our uh, political and military planning, but but not to slow down continued Ukrainian progress if they can still make it. John,
6: with the cold winter, do you expect Germany and other allies over there to stay uh, stay strong?
1: Well this is what I'm most worried about. Um you know some people think that Putin has overplayed his hand by cutting off the gas they point to natural gas prices going down I I don't think that's the, in Europe I I'm, I'm, I don't think that's the cause of the decline of prices. I think like oil going down here it's more a reflection of a fear of recession coming in the near future. Uh and I do think Putin has other uh, gas pipelines that he can cut off and other pressure he can put on. I think uh the odds of that happening are increasing and despite the, uh, some happy talk from some of the Europeans that everything will be fine Putin knows that the weakness of the NATO alliance lies in France and Germany and a few other European countries if he can split them away from Ukraine if their domestic concerns about their economy can be can be brought to the fore th- then I think the odds of Putin getting a satisfactory Outcome here, at least not a terrible outcome from his point of view against Ukraine, increase.
2: The discussion at lunch today uh, uh, with one of the JP Morgan guys that was at lunch um, was that Germany is thinking of, uh, of going out and, uh, with a large expenditure and putting solar cells on every house in Germany. I mean, when are these people going to come to reality that? You need. You probably need, uh, uh, you know, nuclear reactors.
1: But well, look, they made a mistake in saying they were going to give up nuclear power. They became dependent on Russia when they were warned as far back as Ronald Reagan not to become dependent on Russian oil and gas. Uh, look, the 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 desire to have cleaner energy is uh, commendable and all that, but the the life of the people, the economic well-being of the people, requires having a little bit of common sense when you go about it. And if you want to power your whole economy on algae, g- good luck. It's not going to work.
2: Yeah, you're 100% correct. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the discussion with Kissinger went that uh, this goes back all the way to World War II. Uh, don't forget, half of East Germany was uh, part of Russia, and there's a little bit of love there. And there's a little bit of hate with the Brits because they helped the U.S. defeat Germany. And I, well, it's, I mean it's that's a little bit historical.
1: Yeah, no, but it's complicated in there. There's there's no doubt about it. I I think today most of the Eastern European governments, Poland and the Baltic republics, uh, are are much tougher on the Russians than they might have been in the past. I'm I'm more worried about the Western European countries who have thought that they were uh, safe, really, from the kind of thing that's going on in Ukraine today, but who are actually. In some respects, more economically vulnerable, and that's the pressure point Putin will look for, probably looking for it pretty hard right at the moment
2: What else would you like to say? Uh, I keep repeating in my lunch, but I'd rather hear from you too in your opinions
1: Well, I think this is uh, this the, the Ukraine crisis should be a learning experience for the United States and the Europeans. Uh, because as we've talked about uh, before, John, on your program, th- th- this crisis and, and and a lot of things going on before it have brought Russia closer to China. And China's threat, given the size of its economy, the relationships it has with the U.S. and Europe, uh, is a threat that I think we're becoming more aware of in the United States. It's also happening in Europe, but they're not coming along fast enough. And I think that's something that we should be paying more attention to because we can restrain China's uh, belligerence much better if we have europe on board and at the moment i don't think that's where they are
2: i am going to interview uh uh kissinger on our show i guess in next week or two uh but uh has china learned their lessons with the mistakes russia has made
1: well i think uh, they've learned lessons I- i'm not sure they're necessarily going to be less aggressive i think I think they've seen what can happen if your military isn't what you think it is. I mean, our intelligence missed a lot about Russia. We didn't predict it would be this bad. you got to believe the Russians didn't think it would be this bad either. So if I were China, I'd be looking very hard at the people's liberation Army to, to be sure that they're up to what what is being reported to the civilians in Beijing. And uh, because if, if it's not, that could leave them in real trouble.
2: Ambassador John Bolton, we're out of time, but I want to thank you for everything you do for the United States of America. Speak out for it and continue to do for it. And, uh, and we'll talk again real soon. God bless you. Thank,
1: thank you so much, John. Thank
2: you. Uh, We're going to be taking a break and we're going to go be going to Lou Dobbs to tell us what the heck is going on in the financial market. And when we come back, we're going to have Joe Ithia, who was the economic development person in the Bronx. And he says, there's congestion pricing for the birds.
0: This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Well, we're back and. uh, Maybe before, before I say anything, I, I talked to Joe Parisi today, president of Cristidis and D'Agostino. Malamars are back. Mm-hmm. They were out of the stores for four months. Four months because Nabisco doesn't make Malamars on, on in the summertime. Wow. It goes back to the days of no air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Also, also, <laughs> Frito-Lay, are they in trouble? They're not delivering enough Frito-Lays. Well, I'll talk about more about that in the next couple of days. And on the on the phone with was us that for breaking that, news, John. That's breaking news. I tell it the way it is. Joe Ithia. Joe Ithia was in charge of economic development in the Bronx. He was in. He worked for Con Edison. Anything you want to know about the Bronx, you know who you go to? Joe Ithia. Joe Ithia. You go knowledge about the Bronx. You go in the dictionary. Knowledge about the Bronx. You know whose picture is there? Joe Ithia. Joe Ithia. Joe. What's going on with this darn uh, congestion pricing?
7: Well, well, first, let's, let's do a little history first. Robert Moses uh, built that uh, cross Bronx. A lot of people were uh, left without homes and stuff. Later on, you had all these buildings that were abandoned uh, on the sidelines of the cross Bronx. Uh, in comes Freddie as borough president. We start pushing uh, at Koch. We have to take all those abandoned windows. They used to do these fake window shades with uh, flower pots so that people who drove up and down the cross Bronx thought there were people living there. No, they were empty apartments. Thank God uh, money was allocated and we have new housing and we have renovated housing there. What happens? Increase of residents. And they built parks, uh, several, a couple of parks over the, across Bronx. Now you have these trucks lined up, and that's the worst traffic jam. Two-hour wait. I, I mean, that's York. the
2: worst traffic jam I've ever seen. Both ways. Both Bronx. ways.
7: So now you have fumes going up, and they're going into where? The park where the kids are playing and the apartments where... People are now living, an additional number of people from back in the days when the Cross Bronx was put together, and now you're going to talk to us about congested pricing and the traffic that's going... Because our people, and Bill said it uh, very well, uh, you got our folks who work 24-7. They work during the evening hours, day, whatever. People... And they're not going to travel down there in cars because they're not going to pay. They are taking the subway, the express bus, the bus, any which way you can. Now they do scooters <laughs> and bicycles to get into the city from the borough of the Bronx. But now you have all of this asthma situation increasing. And there has been many, unbelievable. Many a yeah. test going on. Uh, why? Hospital has Joe, whole me and you me and green green know each other
2: for 50 years. Why, why is revney the real estate uh, board of New York, the big real estate mockers, are selling out to the, uh, to the MTA and saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to go along with congestion pricing. Why are they doing that? Well,
7: so you said it best. Uh, John earlier about who's getting paid off here and who's getting the good uh, better deals and stuff. Yeah, they're I mean, going to get on, a get license
2: them. to build two hundred story buildings. Yeah,
7: yeah but, yeah, but but if you have you, congestion you, pricing, I mean, who's Joe? Joe? Bronx,
5: who's going to Joe? That's that's gonna that's Joe? That's it's he's Richard. Who's going to move into those buildings when they can't afford to drive in from the island, Westchester, Jersey, Connecticut?
3: And Joe Ithier, just to inform our audience, this is the MTA's own studies that have said that the cross Bronx congestion will actually get worse with congestion pricing. Well, of course So it will. you know it's things stand are, still now. I, exactly, but you know things are bad when they couldn't even have their own studies say that. And the what's going to happen to King's worse? Highway,
2: Peter King? <laughs> your highway
3: named after you. What's going to happen? John, there? John,
6: this is very personal to me. I really <laughs> have. Uh, <laughs> My whole family legacy well, is going to be undone.
3: Joe Ithia, why is it always that the Bronx and the Brooklyn and everybody else gets screwed? Why Why are they always, We're always, I'm from Staten the Bronx, Island. too. And Staten Staten Island. Island. Wait a
5: minute. Wait a minute. Let's be fair. I am telling you, people who live above 60th Street Manhattan are going to be screwed, too. Let's be clear. Right. Yeah, but
7: really screwed right. is the Bronx, In too. Harlem, All El Barrio, yes. Washington Heights. All that area up here. And by the way, and the congressman knows this uh, very well, you're crossing over from Long Island to go through where the cross Bronx, to get on the George Washington Bridge, to keep going south, to head to Florida or any uh, state on 95. You have that backup right there, and you're sitting in traffic for sometimes hours.
2: And and New Jersey is screwed for sure. Well, what yep. did they call it before? And it was shot down It was about how to get money out of New Jerseyites. It was called commuter tax commuter tax, okay. so they couldn 't sell the commuter tax, so now the nuclear politicians, nuclear scientists, politicians say well let 's change it to a sexier name that sounds like we 're going to help the environment. commuter tax. Yeah, you're going to help the environment in Manhattan. What Does that mean no, no, the wind doesn't blow from the Bronx
3: to Manhattan? That's a good point, John. Where did you get that from? And let's be clear. This is Governor Hochul who's pushing this through. She could I'm stop this. I'm not pointing this.
2: any fingers. I'm not pointing any it's, fingers. I think all of Albany is underwater.
7: But listen, gang, gang, listen, listen. You know one thing? John knows it well, too. We had uh, companies that met with me when I was uh, uh, head of uh, Bronx overall economic, who left Pennsylvania, left New York, because they wanted to come into Hunts Point because it was easier for them to bring their produce and other products into the city from Hunts Point and the Bronx than having to go back and forth on the cross-Bronx. And on the George Washington Bridge, it was very expensive. Now you're going to put congestion pricing, and you know to deliver to your Grestedis uh, or any place, you're going to put uh, trucks out, and when you come up with this new uh, 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 traffic situation. Joe, you're 100% right. You Joe, a they are conning. Delivery, it's crazy.
2: They are conning the public. This is a con game because if my truck delivering to me pays $200 and they charge me $200 more, it's going to be the consumer. The, the poor and the middle class is going to end up paying.
5: And, and they're not telling that. Listen, let's have a reality you know, check. Number one.
7: No, they're not saying that. And that's you've been saying it, uh, and all of you have been saying it over and over, that the person who gets hurt, Is that consumer who comes to shop because the prices will go up. And then you also have all these truck drivers who are stuck, you know, trying to get the delivery on time from one place to another, and it's become a hardship. And if you're sitting on the cross Bronx for half an hour to an hour, that's money that the company is losing because they can't make, and you still have trucks delivering in the middle of the night, and you have traffic still there going on, and all the fumes are going up into the apartments. Joe, of, uh, stay of
2: on stay on the phone if you have a few more minutes. We got uh, Benny uh, Bosnio, uh, the president of the Corrections Officers uh, Benevolent Association, and I understand he is mad as hell, and he can't take it anymore. I'm as
5: mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore!
2: Benny! What's going on? Hey, John. How are you? Look, Hope
0: everybody's doing well.
2: We got Congressman King in the uh, in the studio. We have uh, uh, Richard Weinberg. We have uh, uh, Joe Ithy on the phone with us. We have Lydia. We can't do it without Lydia. <laughs> Dad,
6: hey, tell Lydia, us what's hey, wrong, Congressman King. Hey, Benny. You, well, yeah, no, you've done so, a great job for so long. Congratulations. Thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate but that. But Benny, I mean, Benny,
3: look, Benny, Benny Bassio, how much longer can your guys take this? I mean, they're leaving in mass because it's just the abuse that they're suffering at this point is just beyond ridiculous. So tell us what's going on at Rikers.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, the city's jails remain in crisis because of eight years of the de Blasio's administration didn't, you know, invest in state staffing levels. You know, officers are abandoning ship at historic pace. You know, it's it's truly a shame of what we're dealing with. We've had 3,500 officers since 2019 basically leave due to resignations and retirements. And I mean, just this year alone since January, we've lost close to 600 officers for the same reason. Um, It it seems like there's no end in sight. You know, the mayor tried to help us by putting an additional 600 officers in the budget. The city council, you know, Adrian Adams, they shot that down and didn't allow us to to get the additional funding for the officers. We've had 1,100 officers assaulted, you know, in this year alone. And there's like 800 pending rearrest cases in the Bronx DA's office. So there's no consequences for inmate actions, and pe- our officers are leaving the job in droves. I got officers with 15 years on the job, with five years to go, leaving because they can't do it anymore. This is, our, you know, we're in crisis right
5: now. Benny, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Let me tell you something. When the city council tries to put through legislation that says you cannot take these dangerous people at a general population, how are you supposed to control these violent people in corrections facilities.
0: You're, you're 100% on point. And it's, it's ironic that you say that, Judge, because I just received a call from the speaker today saying that Jamani Williams is putting through a bill to end punitive segregation in the city jails. It's going to go and trump the whole bill that Governor Hochul already put in place. So this they have a super majority where they don't even have to put it to a vote. This is coming down the pipe and there's nothing that we can do about it.
2: Joe, if you, you live in the Bronx, I mean, are they, are they going to put a jail across the street from your home?
7: <laughs> we have some serious issues that are happening right now about some of the issues that they're trying to create for health, uh, correction, uh, and stuff and the community is up in a uproar. there's been demonstrations over by Jacoby Hospital and they're going to do something at North Central Bronx Hospital also. but also to uh, Danny's thing, we have a lot of correction officers who live in the borough of the Bronx. I know a, a several of them and they have said they can't take it anymore and I have in the family uh, a niece who retired. He said, Joe, I can't take it anymore. It's gone crazy, and the city doesn't seem to care.
3: Right, because there's a sense of I can do whatever I want. What do you... That's what happens when you have one-party government. Well, Or when you have, like— I'm the... super
5: in charge with one-party well, government. Well, John, what do you I, always our say? Listeners,
2: our listeners have to remember, this. you better make a decision this November and vote. And make sure, you know, you, when you're voting— You have to say, whom do I trust to keep us safe?
3: And who do you care about more, the 8.5 million New Yorkers or the 3,000 or so more criminals? You always say that, John. Violent criminals, Violent criminals. Violent criminals
7: who don't care. They don't care. These young people don't care, have no respect for correction officers, for the police. They don't care because they're out in the street after they get arrested right away.
5: Because the judges have no yes. discretion to hold in dangerous defendants. Ben, Benny
7: Basio, no, is
3: that is do you do you agree is that the sense that your uh, your guards are telling you in the prisons? In yeah, well,
0: officers are, are you know they they've had enough. They can't do it anymore. I mean, they're leaving in droves. The overtime, I have officers working 150 hours a month of overtime. Wow. And, and God left. Like, we just That's had an dangerous. officer pass away of an apparent heart attack. You know, let, let his soul, Officer Violet, um, let his soul rest in peace uh, of an apparent heart attack. Fifty-one years old, just died on Friday on post. Well, why you know, don't we do they, this?
2: us. They're, they're how about us. this? I'm an amateur lawyer. I mean, Judge Weinberg, you're a lawyer, and uh, and uh, Congressman King a lawyer. Yeah, I mean, I'm just an amateur. Can't the? Can't the? Uh, uh, workers... Uh, the union? The union or the workers, oh, the workers start a class action suit against the politicians that are forcing that situation. Look, uh, listen, we got uh, we have uh, Alan
3: Dershowitz is Could on to show s- tomorrow. Uh, let's ask Could him. they maybe say that their civil rights are our being class violated?
2: action. Yeah. They are, yes. they are intentionally doing these laws knowing putting their that, lives in danger. that his members are going to get hurt. That's right. They're putting Somebody their lives in danger. Def- Somebody has to defend his members. And if his members should do a class action suit against all the politicians for allowing it to happen.
0: You're absolutely right, John. And I have my legal team looking into that particular thing right now. Once I got the word today that this is going to go through, it's almost like they they want to force us to leave the job so they so <coughs> they can just we have to let the criminals out now because we have no more officers to to man. I think them. He's right. It's, it's ridiculous.
2: It, it is ridiculous, and Joe, if you to put, I mean. How many how many uh jails are they gonna put in uh in the speaker's uh district? <laughs>
7: Uh, good question, John. Very good question. Well, one of the uh programs they want to put on is over at North Central, which is part of this district. I was so born in that we'll hospital. see, but the community is gonna be up in an uproar uh once they hear all about that. So I'm kind of leaking some information uh here on your program.
2: <laughs> well, wow. <about future> <laughs> I think happen. I think the but community no should God, go in an
0: uproar. John, yeah, think about it like this. Think of this, right? The borough-based jails are going to cap out at 3,400 capacity. We already have close to 6,000 inmates in our custody. What are they going to do with the, with the uh, overflow? That's, That's why you, you have to keep that. Rikers
5: alive. You have to keep Rikers alive. Another bad idea for let them progressive lifestyle. Guys,
2: we've got to take a break, but I want you to stay angry. Because we're going to do something about it in September and October. And everybody better go out and vote. Better go out and vote. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you, guys. And let's take a break. And when we come back, Dr. Peter Mihalos <clears throat> has new revelations. What the heck is
3: going on?
0: cats at night on the red apple podcast network
3: welcome back to the john Katz matiti's cats at night show as we're speaking right now i'm throwing in some what is it hydroglycerin, nitroglycerin tabs because john is fired up today have you been listening uh we're mad as hell and we can't take <laughs> it
8: have
2: anymore. you been listening doc-
3: hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore have you been listening dr Mikolos?
8: Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm worried, worried about, about John's blood zyax pressure, Dr. Should
3: I take an extra
8: pill? Xanax in the water cooler, that's it.
3: Xanax in that's the water cooler.
8: That's it. A little bit of calming, happy juice in the water cooler for everybody. But exciting news out of uh, Israel in the Jerusalem Post. Uh, we uh, saw in the Journal of uh, Communication Biology, researchers over at Tel Aviv University found two antibodies that neutralized all known strains of COVID-19 and they were able to clone them, and they did this in the laboratory, and it found to be 95% effective. Well, that's breaking and, news. Um, wow. It is. This this may be a, an effective substitute for repeated boosters and vaccines, and uh, it's been a multi-nation thing. Natalia Freund at Sackler University in Israel and uh, Dr. Ben. So it, it, is, Diego, that, is
2: that a cure for all flus, you think? I mean, I'm just
8: thinking no, out loud. what's going to happen is it'll be custom-made. Basically, think of the cap on the spike protein of the virus as a stinger on a bee or a wasp, and these antibodies are like a little rubber cap, and they cap the stinger so that the stinger can't bite you and enter your cell. So basically, they figured out, and they're figuring out how to make these antibodies and clone them. So if we can have a lot of them, every time we get a new disease or a cold or a flu, you'll have the option of, okay, I think I'll go get the infusion, instead of having to get the injection and then your body has to make an inflammatory response and generate antibodies from scratch, you're gonna get ready-made ones that will be infused in you. And the other scientist, too, happens to be out of Beijing, China, who's working on this, too. They know a little bit about viruses in, in uh, China as well. And these two viruses are both tau 1109 and uh, 2310, and they've been uh, quite effective. And on the uh, other news that we still have to talk about uh, recently is that there are still 320 deaths a day from uh, COVID-19, and since 2022, we've had 200,000 deaths, but 85% of the deaths are in people 65 or older, and uh, and now it's the number three cause of death in the United States after heart disease and cancer. And uh, one of the things now also we have to talk about is the CDC said that young males Uh, the number of heart inflammation cases are up. Again, not a a lot, but still significant. 14 cases of 102,000 age 16 to 17 and 200 out of 206,000 people, 31 cases between age 12 and 15. So that is something that we have to look at, about 150 cases per million, it seems, uh, of these heart inflammation cases. So it seems like, you know, the younger people now, people are questioning whether, what's worth is it the vaccine or the uh is the disease worse but what do you think doctor
6: on the booster what's your recommendation
8: well well, what their recommendation for you know for me personally i'm telling uh you know you know young young younger people depends like the little kids and you know in sweden they didn't vaccinate the little kids so you know they're they're that's an issue that still is uh up for uh, debate. I'm um, I'm I'm about treatment. Now that we have treatments, I think that the treatments have to be more widespread uh, use, like in flu. You have Tammy flu even for kids if you get the flu. I think there should be more antibodies and more antiviral uh, pills and different ones and better ones. And now that there are treatments, I think we we're not going to be as dependent on vaccines, and we're seeing that around the world. But I think when we have things like ready-made antibodies to give people the option, I think a lot of the anti-vaxxers will say, sure, I'll take a ready-made antibody, but I don't really want to get an mRNA vaccine. So we have a lot to learn. But, of course, everybody has to ask their uh, individual uh, doctors. But the bottom line is vaccines for people over 65 definitely reduce deaths and uh, you know morbidity and mortality. The difference between this and the flu is that, Unlike uh, the flu, the coronavirus also gives you this one in eight long-haul COVID. So as uh, John and I know from many of our friends, uh, you know, the people who got antibodies right away do very well. They don't end up with long-haul COVID. So if you're over 65, you're overweight, you're diabetic, you have lung or heart disease, don't mess around. Get treated right, right away. Get an infusion. The Eli Lilly antibodies working great. It is available in many, many places and some private infusion centers and it still is free because our tax dollars paid for Operation Warp Speed. Thank God we did that Operation Warp Speed, and we came out with all these amazing uh, treatments, and uh, thank God the death rate is is uh, plummeting. But the news out of Israel is, I think, very, very exciting, especially for, you know, like nurses, for example, that left the state because they had COVID. I think we need better testing to show whether you had the disease or not. If you show that you've had good antibodies or good T cell levels, you can say, hey, here's my documentation. Just like we show for school entry for measles, rubella, you show your credentials that you have antibodies against it, and they let you into school. We should have better testing for COVID antibodies. So if somebody's had it, they can show it as evidence mm-hmm. of having. And, and, and,
2: and your, your gut feeling and just your opinion is that uh, antibodies is better for you than than everything else.
8: I think that antibodies seem to be uh, extremely effective and you don't have to deal with any potential side effects of vaccines. And the side effects from antibodies have been absolutely minus- minuscule and people have done very well initially. And we had the Alpha and Delta variant. We had the amazing Regeneron antibody, which worked great. And now we have the uh, Omicron uh, beta A5 and uh, variant, subvariants of Omicron. And the Beltamovab from Eli Lilly has been working well, and the scientists now, as we speak, uh, like in Israel, are cloning antibodies that seem to be effective against all the different... So you're not going to die from antibodies.
2: Out. And I like your other statement And when we talked about the stem cells, uh, the uh, uh, that nobody ever died from stem cells. And you have a good chance of getting uh, cured from whatever you use them from on.
8: The umbilical. Nobody's died from the umbilical stem yeah, you, cells yeah. that we talked about, which are basically nature. It's just basically like a blood transfusion, but it hasn't developed into anything, so it can't really hurt you. But look, keep listening to WABC. We're trying to keep everybody alive. Consult with your physician on what to do. If,
2: um, if so we, we keep people alive, they'll be listening for the rest of their lives. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house genius, uh, and Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Peter King, King's Highway, and Lydia Bronx, taking care of all the, all the Albanians in our city. <laughs> and what do we stand for? Truth, justice, justice and in the, the American right. way.